I'm not going to lie. That's a pretty good photo of you and I. I've never been unhappy with a cougar tail. Ever. Eat yeah. your shake from Shake Shock at Paul Revere's house. Punka Hill. You're going to get the we and You're, like it. It's beautiful, ugly. Shake Shack is awesome. <laughs> Failure! This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now, a man who made his way on the varsity team, on several varsity teams for that matter, and in his professional ranks was also really good. Jonathan Tavernari, BYU basketball analyst, former Cougar. Welcome back to Studio B, Jonathan. In a tie, no it's good, less. No, it's great to have you, but you are. we have a dress code here that we did not discuss with you, I guess. We have a no-tie policy. Right. I, stay, stay in this scarf, though. This is good. Reading the fine print, I didn't get down to the you know, <laughs> okay, contract. Listen, so. listen, listen, we got a BYU Sports Nation shirt for oh. you for next time, okay? <laughs> okay. This, this is brand new. Oh, this is I brand appreciate new it. as of last week. These are fresh. Did you wash it only? after you wore it? No, smell it, though. Yeah. You can have this after, too. Should I put this over it? You're okay. You're no, okay for no, now. No, you're good. You yeah, look great. No, no, it's you okay. Just, you really just show us up. That's the idea. Is We're in we, ugly we don't Christmas sweaters, too, yeah. so right. like the contrast is yeah. really bad. We look well, like a bunch of amateurs. Show you guys up not only on the dress code, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> Jonathan, what happened to BYU basketball last night against Boise State? I know the Cougars were a two-point favorite according to Ken Palmer. I expected it to be a close game, but I did expect them to beat Boise State. What happened? Um, I think that they never really recovered from the fact that they, they beat Houston on Saturday. Uh, the beginning of the game in Houston, the first half, was amazing, right? That's what you expected from this team. You expected them to play well, uh, to knock down open shots, to be aggressive. It was probably um, Dalton Nixon's best all-around game with rebounding, uh, being aggressive. I thought that when they were playing through Kobe in and out, um, he had an amazing game, right? Just listening um, over and over again, um, even to Greg Rebell talking about on the radio, Kobe Lee, career night in rebounds, career night in assists, and, and so forth. So in my mind, watching the game, it truly felt that it kind of carried over the excitement of playing against Houston. and like, they a, were, like a big wing hangover. And they weren't able to have the sense of urgency to play again a very less talented Boise State team. Just looking from their body language, the way that the team responded, um, it, it, it felt like they, I don't want to say, um, thought the game was going to be easy but they didn't have the same sense of urgency they have against uh, Houston. Because against Houston, they came out firing, right, on all cylinders. Jake was on point. Um, TJ and Alex were effective, um, but none more so than, I think, Kobe, guys coming off the bench. I thought Connor. Um, Connor's doing amazing, you know. We'll get to that in a minute, but I think Connor should be playing more. But it, they didn't have the sense of urgency in my, in, my, in my perspective. And when they did in the second half – it was a little bit too late, right? It always felt that they were that one step behind to be able to put the game away. It felt like, oh, the game's too easy. Well, let's take this off. Or let's take this possession off. And they kept giving life to Boise, right? I mean, Boise, aside from Alston and Williams, who ended up leaving with five fouls and he was dominating on the block, reminded me a lot of Keeney Young. Okay. You yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, but – we could, I mean, and defensively, we didn't play that bad. Right, 58 points allowed in regulation. We did not, Amazing. Uh, you know, BYU did not play that bad on defense. But offensively, just extremely stagnant, 
complacent, slow. Um, ben Crito probably said it. Probably the funniest thing is that was a lot of dribble, 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 and not enough pass, pass, pass. And I think, and I think that that was the main, probably the main thing that I saw from the game last night. Yeah, I feel like it's dribble handoff, and it's very indirect right now. I feel like BYU needs to be a little more direct. Like, get at the hoop and then pass out to Connor Harding, who hit back-to-back threes in a moment there. He's 7 for 11 this year. Alex Barcel is 6 of 12. I wonder if BYU needs more offensive diversity in terms of, you know what, Jake uh, Toulson and T.J. Haas, you're tremendous players, but Alex uh, Barcelo and Connor Harding, we need you guys involved even more, all of you. I think T.J. Haas is very scrutinized. I think he gets, you know, we need – I. Truth be told, right, stats-wise, there was a lot of hype about the Lone Peak 3, right? And if all of us here were to place a bad um, five years ago that the only one standing would be him, everybody would take that action and call us crazy, right? But he gets criticized a lot. I think that he is the only player on a team that should have the permission or the green light to dribble and dribble and dribble and call for a screen because he's the only one that can create his shot effectively. Look at the game-winning shot. I think uh, TJ, um, excuse me, I think uh, Jake Toulson, for as crafty as he is, he needs to be more idolized on the post, back to the basket, reminding a little bit of Lee Kamard, maybe a little bit of Tyler Hawes, obviously Mm -hmm. not as effective as Lee, but um, to that sense, and... And not so many dribblings. All of my coaches, including Coach Rose, always said, JT, as soon as you get the ball, you get two dribbles. When you get the ball, pump fake, two dribbles. If you cannot get a good shot, pass the ball. Hmm. And I think Jake is a very good pick and roll player. But at the end of the games, it, it kind of, you know, the ball gets a little bit heavy, especially with the behind the back pass. Yeah. You know, that was a tough one. And so, um, but I do think that it needs to be more slash and kick. That's what they did. When they were successful, the first game of the season, I know they played against, you know, you're talking about a, Cal State a, a sophomore team. But yet, Alex's energy, TJ, uh, Jake Tolson, the penetrating, you know, slash and kick to Connor. To Trevin, that finally had his first three-pointer of the night yesterday of the season, but never played again in the second half. And so I think that the team needs to be a little bit more passing. You, you mentioned something about the passive handoffs, right? They're not attacking. Those plays and the way that they're playing with the you know, um, backdoor, swing, pick and roll, that's very effective. That's all guys do in Europe, and it's effective if you are aggressive. But if you're doing just a kill time off the clock – you know, you might as well be the Globetrotters. Jonathan Tavernari with us on BYU Sports Nation. All right, we've addressed a few things, some concerns. What's number one on the priority list to remedy this? And let's start with carrying the urgency from Houston over to Boise. How do you remedy something like that so that BYU shows up with energy after a big win? And oh, by the way, UCLA on Monday in Hawaii. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got a little light of fire, right? You know how we say in Portuguese, you got to light a fire on somebody's behind to be able to get them going. Because if not, they're going to be extremely exposed against a very solid UCLA team, right? And so I think the very first thing is the system works, right? Uh, the thing that I, I enjoy the most about Mark Pope is his system works. We've seen be successful, but they need to be aggressive, right? Um, it's almost as if a football analog, uh, an, um, analogy excuse me, is if you're just running a route, but you're not going as well, and then you're supposed to do a cut, and you just kind of don't do it. Like instead of doing, uh, you know, a very sharp cut, you kind of just do like a half a moon. And so I think that for BYU to be successful this year, they need to do what they did in the first half against Houston. 
right? Where not only they shot the ball well, but why did they shoot the ball well? How did they get those shots? Passing the ball, moving, sharp cuts, effective. Houston was a freakish uh, athletic team. Just incredibly. They're so long, right? And, yeah. I mean, how many times in the first half we saw them going to the layups and they're getting blocks? But BYU was effective because Alex had the ball. Um, I do think that he can play a little bit better than he's playing right now. We haven't seen him extremely involved um, since the the Carl State Fortson game, the first one. But I think that him, I think Zach Salias is kind of you know lacking a little bit right now. He had three shots yesterday that he made, three three-pointers. But when you watch, for instance, the game against San Diego State, you go, my goodness, Zach could do this every game. Three, four, five, three-pointers a game for Zach. It's not an exaggeration because of how they play, because of how good he is. And when you don't see that, you start questioning why, right? And so, and, and when I look at this team, I wonder, what, where was the sense of urgency? Because last night was a game that they should just show up in town, the Cougar show, no, the Cougar show is in town. You run them off the court. You get back on the bus. In six hours, you're back home. Um, and we didn't see that. You know, they just kept, you know, throwing a lifeline to a, to a again, a Boise State that deserved a win. Like the cliche says, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And, and last night was a proof of that. Role definition is interesting for me right now because it feels like BYU stalling until Yoli gets here. When I think BYU should be like, you know what, we have nine games, this is our team, and Yoli will be added to this. So for Zach uh, Selyus, it feels like, now wait a minute, i got to come in and rebound and defend, and it almost takes away from three-point shooting a little bit. Alex Barcelo and Connor Harding are kind of like, it feels like, okay, Jake and, and TJ are the two seniors, and they're the guys. I don't know that that needs to be the case right now. I, I think that BYU has more options on this team that they could access. Well, and, and if you really think about it in that perspective, BYU could be 5-0 and eight right now. Yes. Without Yoli. Without, <laughs> and this is the thing that baffles me. On the drive here, I keep thinking, this team, talk about missed opportunities, right? About spilled milk. This team could be 5-0 and eight right now with, without your senior Captain, one of the top 50 players in the country, preseason, war. I mean, 5-0. and all. And then you add a guy of that caliber to this team? Imagine that. Imagine the possibility. So it, it truly feels like a missed opportunity and, you know, just you never want to see what if. You want to control your own destiny. And I feel like the loss against San Diego State and the loss against uh, Boise State last night. And, and to be honest, I feel like those two losses – they were very kind of lucky against uh, Southern Utah as well. Because against SUU, they did not play well. He won ugly. Oh, of 12 from if three. It wa- if, it right. wasn't, if it wasn't Jake Toulson, you know, bailing them out at the end, with, wasn't on a pick and roll. If you guys remember the action, it was after a motion that he caught the ball. And on movement and in motion, he attacked, did the step back to knock down the shot. It wasn't him creating the shot, which is a big difference. And so if he doesn't knock down that three-point shot, um, you know, uh, the guy that looked like Rufio with the red hair, um, if, yes. if he doesn't miss a couple of free throws at the end, BYU could be right now two and three, having <laughs> lost at home against Southern Utah. And Rufio. that would, would I'll tell you, that would not have been a good look. Right. And, and, oh! and you provide some good perspective. It's this close to being two and three, but it's this close to being five and oh, right? Yeah. BYU's three and two. Here we go. All right, BYU and UCLA on Monday in Maui. JT for three. Thanks for hanging out with us, man, and being the third member in Studio B. I appreciate it. I'm sorry that now I – Now you know the dress code. Now I know the dress code. Can I come on a, on a tank top next time I <laughs> For all of us, please. Right. <laughs> okay. 
That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's uh, segue into a BYU football season tradition in Studio B. We're tracking Cougar opponents. Like a Cougar pun. Starting with the team that BYU faces this weekend in Amherst, Massachusetts. Yes, it's UMass. And the Minutemen, in a battle of one-win teams last weekend, did not win. <laughs> they fall to now 2-8 Northwestern, 45-6. to The Minutemen Ooh. are the worst defensive team in college football, giving up 52.4 points per game, which brings us to a fun fact with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. UMass Jerem is currently ranked behind 95 FCS teams in the Sagarin College football ratings. Just uh, try this on for size. UMass at 225 in the Sagarin ratings. 225. There are 130 FBS teams, by the way. Weaver State. They're good. In Ogden, Utah. They're actually from Ogden, Utah. (laughs) At 101 in the Sagarin ratings, they played San Diego State to a 6-0 game. They're number 5 in the FCS rankings. UMass is 225? Idaho State might beat UMass. The line's 40 and a half right now for this game this Saturday. So exciting. By the way, BYU mentioned on Bad Beats for the Idaho State game last night on, uh, with Van Peasy on Sports. Dealing it out. <laughs> the missed field goal. And the missed two. field goal. Right? Okay, San Diego State, 8-2 and two somehow after a 17-7 and seven win against Fresno State. They are the what? Uh, fake ID. Fake ID. They're the, of Mc, college they're the McLovin of college football. Yes. The Aztecs play at 7-4 and four Hawaii. Hopefully not a bowl opponent for BYU. San Diego State, 8th in scoring defense, giving up 14 a game. Wow. But also 113th in scoring offense, putting up a measly 20 a game. Okay. We know what the challenge is. Number seven, Utah also has a good defense. Looking to move up in the college football playoff rankings after they moved their record to 9-1 with a 49-3 beatdown of the OG fake idea of college football, Jerem, UCLA. Mm-hmm. The Utes travel to Tucson this week to face struggling Arizona. Struggling. Tennessee is 5-5 five and five after a 17-13 win against Kentucky. The Big Orange play at Missouri this week. Now, go. this is notable Let's because, go, remember, we've said since 82, BYU has one win against a team in the Eastern Time Zone that finished with winning record. They got a shot. So, Tennessee has a shot. They'll beat Vanderbilt. They'll be 6-6. Six and six. They can win a bowl game 7-6. and six. That would be notable. There you go, man. There you go. USC quarterback Keaton Slovis went 29 for 35, 406 yards and four touchdowns in a 41-17 Trojans win over Cal SC, now 7-4. They close out the regular season against the fake ID of the Pac-12, UCLA, this week. They play, wait, they close out the regular season this week? They have a bye next week? They don't play on the intro? Washington had a bye week. The 6-4 Huskies play at Colorado this week. Toledo lost to Northern Illinois. 31-28 in Wednesday night matching. Six and four Rockets will play again on Wednesday night tomorrow against Buffalo. South Florida lost on a last-second field goal to Cincinnati, Come the highest-ranked Group of Five team right now. The Bulls are four and six, and at number eighteen, Memphis. Would you feel any better week. about the South Florida loss by BYU if the Bulls had beaten no. Cincinnati? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> USC doesn't play next week. Crazy, right? Don't play. Boise State, the Broncos' lone loss of the season. 
still at the hands of your BYU Cougars in wow. Provo. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the Broncos 9-1 and one after a 40-point win over New Mexico, 49-9. They have a big-time Mountain West Conference showdown in Logan at Utah State. That's a huge game for the division. Uh, you know, Air Force, I think, still has one loss, three teams with one loss maybe in there or something. I'd have to look at it. It's the Mountain West. I don't pay attention anymore. Uh, the Aggies beat Wyoming 26-21, moving to 6-4, and, and as mentioned, uh, host Boise State. Liberty enjoyed a bye week after losing to BYU. They travel to Virginia this week to face Bronco Mendenhall's Cavaliers. Mm, they're both Virginia in, teams. They're both in Virginia. Yeah. That's right. In the Mountain Division, Boise State 6-0. Air Force and Utah State are both 5-1. Air Force owns the tiebreaker for Utah State. So big game. What happens if Boise State loses to Utah State? Then there's a three-way tie. Yeah, and, and uh, Boise, State, weird. Boise State defeated Air Force uh, but lost to Utah. Yeah, it'd be weird. So yeah, I I stopped and thinking about the Mountain West. Yeah, in and, we're, and we're not going to break it down. We're not going to break. It. You know what I yeah. do know is BYU beat Boise State and Utah State. I know that and has San Diego State left. Yep, so let's go. Interesting. Let's go. Our question of the day: What do you expect for the next four years in the Kalani Satake BYU football era? Let's get to some tweets now and some messages from Facebook for that matter. Steve Bear on Facebook says. I'd like to see consistent nine and four seasons, given our difficult schedules, but at least one or two breakout years where BYU goes eleven and two or ten and three. Hashtag BYUSN. For that to happen, in my opinion, for to break through that, BYU would need to have a maximum of three Power Fives on the schedule to really do that. And it depends who else you're playing. It, we group the Power Fives in, into this one big thing. I wouldn't mind playing Vandy and Kentucky and Arizona every year. Those are winnable games. That's, that's at BYU's level, right? BYU's probably just like right there, right? It's, it's when you're loading up with uh, too many Power Fives in a row where it can be an issue. Yes. I guess the only benefit to that is if BYU does win 10 games against a difficult schedule, then it's extra gratifying. I always hear the if. It's never happened before, and there's a reason for it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Troy Warner tore his Liz Frank in 2017. Uh, he played hobbled a bit last season, had off-season surgery to repair it, was trying to get ready for 2019. Unfortunately, it didn't work out to where he would play, especially at the beginning of the season with BYU, until last week. But the good news is he will redshirt this season and return next year. Again, uh, this is year two of you can play four and still redshirt. Great rule. The redshirting senior goes one-on-one right now with Spencer Linton. Troy, I want you to walk us back to the moment you found out that you were going to have to sit out a little while and what that was going to mean for you and what you thought was going to be your senior season. What were the emotions like in that moment? Yeah, man, it, it, it's, it's honestly flown by. Um, but in that moment where I found out that I was going to have to red shirt, it was tough um, because I'm just not a guy that's used to sitting out and kind of watching from different perspective. Um, but there's been a ton of lessons that have been learned um, and just great things that have come out of it too. So, what are some of those lessons that you've learned? Um, honestly, just patience. Uh, I'd say that's the biggest thing. Um, you kind of get anxious, and you just want to be out there playing, and and also just a leadership kind of role too. Um, I can't be out there making plays for the team, but I can be helping the guys get better uh, on a day to day basis. So, what did you see turn around for your team following? 
the loss in Tampa at South Florida to the four-game win streak now? Yeah, I would say it's just a bunch of guys that rally together. Um, in those situations, it's tough. You know, you, you don't expect to lose those games, but when you do, um, what what are you? How are you gonna? How are you gonna b- bounce back? How are you gonna respond? And we rallied together and figured out, you know, what we had to do better um, to get on the right track. So that was the biggest thing. You said you couldn't make plays, but now you can make plays thanks to a redshirt exception rule. You can play in the final four games and still come back and play next year. So, what was it like to play in your first game this season on Saturday? Yeah, it felt good. It felt good. A uh, long time, long time coming, but. You know, just going, just getting out there, getting getting some reps, getting back into the groove of things. It felt good being out there back with my teammates. Was there uh, any rust, and if so, where where did the rust manifest itself? Uh, I didn't really feel too rusty, honestly. Uh, I felt like I, I felt comfortable out there, confident going in, and you know, I, I felt like that all happens in the preparation part of uh, the week. And so, you know, going out there, I felt good. How has having to play a coach and be kind of a support? for your, your brothers, helped you become a better football player overall? Well, the way I think of it is in order for me to be a coach, um, I got to know what I'm doing first so that I can help um, my teammates also. So it's just the extra time that you got to spend in the film, you know, in, in your film and and uh, just learning the little bits of, of the game and the, of the position uh, so I can then teach it to my teammates. I think that's what's paid off in the long run. Why do you think this team has the capability – to run the table and finish this season with nine wins. Yeah, I mean, I just, I really just feel like we're, we're feeling really good uh, right now on, on this win streak, and we, we have a lot of confidence right now. And you know, scheme, scheme wise, and and you know, just the players that we have, we're all just hungry to keep the keep the streak going, and we're we're just on a high right now. How have things changed defensively as far as the scheme goes with Kalani implementing himself more into the planning and whatnot? You know, I, I'd say we're just maybe more aggressive, um, but. I think any way that we any way that Kalani wants it, we, we just go out and execute as much as we can and as best as we can. So, you know, it's been it's been great, and uh, we we're, we're hoping to continue it. I know you pride yourself as a shutdown guy, a lockdown guy. Who do you love to match up against in practice? Who uh, I would say I see my boy Micah Micah Simon. Uh, I like going up against Aleva and Dax Milne too. Those are both guys that are really you know shifty and quick. So it, it uh, it's a different approach to that. What's the conversation like when you're in those moments with those guys? A lot of smack talk. I, I like to keep the mouth going a little bit just to kind of get in their head. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's all fun. Where have you progressed the most as a football player from the first day you stepped on campus when you were a freshman at BYU to where you stand today? You know, I'd say just the maturity, um, how to go about different things. Um, and, you know, just the preparation that goes on, how you're supposed to prepare during the week in order to perform well on game days. Um, and then, obviously, getting bigger and faster, um, more strong, and all those things have helped me become the player that I am. I know you have UMass and then San Diego State and then a bowl game in Hawaii, but the 2020 schedule looks pretty good, too, for BYU football. I know that wasn't in the cards, but when you look at what's ahead immediately and next year, what goes through your mind? A lot of opportunity. Um, a lot of opportunity for this team, uh, for just you know your own personal goals and team goals. A lot of opportunity for us to shine. And, uh, you know, if we take advantage of those opportunities, it'll definitely pay off. You and your brother Fred had to go through some hard times in 2017, that 4-9 and nine season. But sometimes it's those hardest moments that help us grow and, and rise and be strong. Um, what did you two learn as brothers in that season that has shaped the way that you've approached football now? 
I'd say, honestly, just no matter the circumstances, you can't let it, you know, throw you off your how you do things, right? Like, like I say, you know, the preparation, the the work that you put in, uh, the belief that you have in yourself and the team, all those things you can't be you can't be thrown off when when uh, tough times come. And uh, you know, we we definitely learned that. What are communications like with you? How how often do you talk with Fred? Um, what what's that like now that he's he's playing with the 49ers and you're still uh, here with BYU? Yeah, I mean, I say we I say we talk every day, uh, FaceTime, you know, maybe every other day. Uh, but we we definitely keep it keeping close communication, and he's always helping me out, trying to uh, help me, you know, up my game. And so, and I, I'm definitely op- I'm open ears for it because he's o- he's over there balling out. So I just I just want to do the same thing. So. What's it like to watch him play for the nine and one San Francisco 49ers? It's, it's tight. It's tight. Um, you know, I it doesn't surprise me at all because I know the the talent that he has and the work ethic that he also possesses, and just to see him go out do his thing, ball out, uh, just makes me happy. So. Well, he feels the same way about you and your talent level. I know that because we've talked about it on several occasions. So, what are you learning from him right now that's helping you progress and and chase your dream of the NFL? Yeah, I would say just just how to prepare. Um, you know, nutrition too. It's a big thing, but uh, just really how to prepare the just to get in the film room. Um, refuse to be outworked. Um, just put yourself in the toughest situations during practice so that in game it, it comes a lot easier. Um, and those things I, I definitely don't take for granted. Uh, I, I definitely try to implement them in my game. Well, you're the married brother, so in a way, do you feel like you can help him out in, in, in that instance and being wiser that way? Yeah, yeah. I definitely try to give him a little advice. Um, <laughs> he's a lonely guy right now, so I try to try to help him out there a little bit. But, well, you know, we're still working on it. Still working on it. <laughs> he's a lonely guy in San Francisco. He, he, he gets a little lonely, but he'll, he'll be all right. Okay, Troy, as uh, you approach UMass, what, what do you know about the Minutemen other than their 1-9 and nine and struggling? How do you avoid an emotional letdown against those guys? Right, um, you just got to take every opponent the same way. Um, these, are, these are Division One athletes, uh, definitely capable, a lot of athletes, a lot of speed. Um, so we just got to prepare the same way that we prepared you know, against USC, uh, against Tennessee, uh, so, we, so that we can go out and you know, play at our best because I, I think we've yet to do that. Um, so another opportunity just for us to go out and play as best as we can. I know you're close with Micah Simon. I know he feels confident that he can play quarterback at BYU if called upon. Um, what have you liked most about how he's progressed this season? Yeah, I mean, I, he's another guy who I've always kind of known what he you know, possesses, and I'm just happy for him, too, uh, just to see him shining right now. He's, uh, he's definitely, he definitely has tunnel vision right now. He's, he's balling out, and you know, I'm proud of him. Uh, a lot of, he, he's, put, he's also put in a lot of work, so definitely happy for him. Troy, we appreciate the time. Stoked that you're back. Congratulations, man. Good to see you back out on the field. Appreciate it. It is great to have Troy Warner back and uh, played a good game last week, getting back into it. At one point, Troy and Fred Warner, Micah Simon, and Jake Toulson were all roommates. And now three, uh, I guess, well, Troy and Jake are married. Micah is single, and Fred, as addressed, is single as well. And apparently lonely in San Francisco. The dating thing always comes up. Always, always. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. 
You know who else probably likes the way you think, Jason? Our next guest, Josie Gwynn of BYU Women's Soccer. Josie, welcome in tournament mode. Thank you. Holy cow, Louisville coming to town. Um, I, I just want to know this. Rewind to the moment at halftime. BYU is leading Boise State 2-1, to one, and things kind of slowed down. What did your coach, Jen Rock, would say to you in the locker room to spur eventually a 5-1 to one blowout? Yeah, well, she just kind of went over our stats from that game compared to all the other games and how we just needed to get some more shots off and how we are – we knew we were the better team and she knew and she knew that we just needed to step it up and keep going at them. So it wasn't John Legend music that you were playing that inspired you? <laughs> I wish. Just <laughs> <laughs> That's something that this team has done a remarkable job of this entire season is coming out of halftime and and if you guys have scored in bunches coming out of halftime, what 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 is the mindset of this team coming into that second 45? Because you guys have had so much success all year long. Yeah, well, I think we know how good of a team we are, and we know how good our attack is. And honestly, when we come in at halftime and we're not super happy with our performance or haven't scored as many goals as we think we should – um, I think everyone is just that much more motivated to go out in the second half and prove to everyone that we are better. What's you? Yeah, go ahead. We're really competitive on our oh, team. So. No, I was going to go there, especially you. Yeah. You yeah. are yes. very, very competitive. So, oh, yeah. you know, nice off the field, not so much on the field, but you're not supposed to be. So walk yeah. us through your mentality when you're in a heated soccer match. Well, I have been very competitive since I was born, I think. My mom, you can ask her. Our whole family is super competitive. And so I just, when I step on the soccer field, I have these little can-do statements in my mind. Like, I can beat that player. I know I can beat that player. And so when that's constantly going through my mind, I'm not going to let anyone try. That's not going to happen. It's just not. You see, and, I, and I've told you this before. Uh, I, there's a reason why when I when I fill in for Greg and I'm calling some of the games, I call you the bulldog because you have that mentality. You are just you are not going to give an inch. So at this point, what do you guys know about Louisville? Well, I think we'll know more today because we usually go over a little scouting report the day before our games. But I think honestly, we're just ready to go out there and play the game that we've played all year long. Obviously, what we've been doing has been working for us. So uh, Clearly. Yeah, so I think it's just sticking to what we've been doing and preparing the same way we've been, been preparing all year. Josie Gwynn of BYU Women's Soccer, the lone unbeaten team remaining in all the land with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, how do you block out the noise of that undefeated top four team, number two seed? How, how, how do you handle that? Yeah, sometimes it can it can get in your head, but I think our coaches and our team as a whole has done a really good job at just taking it one game at a time. I think it started earlier in the season when we started winning a lot of our games. We just continued to focus on the next game and what we needed to do and what we needed to do to get the job done. Um, just taking it one game at a time, I think it's really important to do that, obviously. But like you're saying, there's lots of noise around our team and around BYU soccer. Largely thanks to what we do. Exactly, <laughs> right? <You know>? so, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't, we don't want to jinx anything. But I, I do want to ask this follow-up question because it's oft overlooked. BYU was trailing 2 to nothing at Santa Clara and had to score two goals essentially late to get that tie and stay unbeaten mm-hmm. and keep yeah. the streak going. What happened in that game? What, uh, what were you thinking? What were you feeling when you're trailing two to nothing in the second half? Well, yeah, 
going into that game, I don't think any of us expected to get scored on like that. We knew it's it's always a tough game when we play Santa Clara, especially when we go to their place and we know they're a good team. Um, but I think, honestly, it might have been a little bit of a wake-up call when they scored those goals. And then we regrouped at halftime and we came out. And I think it's just the overall mentality of the team. We we're not going to get beat. Like I said, everyone on the team is super competitive. So I think just regrouping at halftime and then coming out, we were on fire. We weren't going to lose to Santa Clara or at all. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to preface this question by saying we realize that the greatest moment is still to come for this season. But what is your favorite moment thus far of this season for you? Oh, I don't know. There's been a lot of really cool moments. One of the funniest moments was last game when Jamie Shepard got that header, and I thought she scored it, and so did she. So she went sprinting the other way. But actually, Cam scored. Yeah, she got Cameron a little touch. Like, hey, uh, I, yeah. I, I actually got that. I know. I was yeah. really confused when everyone ran to Cam, though. Who do I, I hug? I'd go with it. But. <laughs> no, but honestly, I think one of my favorite moments was when we beat – Oh, either Alabama or Mississippi, I can't remember which one, where Kayla scored uh, off a free kick in, like, the last, like, two minutes of the game to um, win the game. Yeah, it was the 88th minute. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That would have been Mississippi It was State. Mississippi, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, I think it just kind of set the tone for the whole entire season. I just think at that moment we were like, yeah, let's go. Like, we can come in clutch, I think. So... That's really awesome. I think that's interesting that that a moment like that in the second game of the year, like you things started to click, like you guys realized in that moment that this could be a pretty special season. No, oh, yeah. I just remember being so like I've never been so excited. I've never given her the biggest hug like that before just because it was such an awesome I can't breathe yeah so awesome <laughs> Josie Gwynn with us on BYU Sports Nation of fourth ranked BYU women's soccer the Cougars ready for a second round showdown with Louisville you can watch that game on BYU TV tomorrow night 8 Eastern 5 Pacific listen on BYU radio okay before you go Josie I want to kind of zone in on your competitive nature again in practice who do you hate practicing against the most on your team oh gosh well, I'll tell you who I love to be on the same team as. I love to be on the same team as Alyssa. Oh. When you're against Alyssa, it's she's so competitive. Well, everyone on the team is, but you love to have her on your team. You hate to have her not on your team. <laughs> That's just how it goes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. If you're not aware of how that works, hopefully you are. Yeah, you, you can I, ask any of your teammates. Yep. You will play better. It will happen because you okay. gave us some of your time and, and uh, joined us on the show. All right. Okay, we need you. you to sign the flag as well, if you don't mind. Thank you so much. All right, Josie Glenn, BYU Women's Soccer in the house. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We've got the... uh... The decor of Hawaii on our desk because BYU is going to the Hawaii Bowl in late December. Things are good, right? And to discuss that, we bring in ESPN analyst Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Trevor, um, have you ever been to Hawaii? And if so, what uh, advice do you have for us? I've been to Hawaii many times, and my advice is wear sunscreen. <laughs> Amen to that. 
Yeah, they they were in our conference when I played at BYU, so we went there twice. And the the funny thing was that you'd always have some hot shot sophomore or freshman that that would go out to the beach. Now now they're leaving the snows of Provo, Utah. They go to the beach in Hawaii and they figure they're only going to be out there for fifteen twenty minutes, and so they don't need sunscreen. So they feel pretty good. They don't feel. It's all right. So they stay a little longer and a little longer, and they don't feel like they're burning. But what's really happening is that pasty skin that has been bundled underneath sweatshirts and parkas all winter long (laughs) now is cooking, and you don't know it. And we had guys, young guys, in the locker room before the game in excruciating pain, having trainers and equipment managers pull their their shoulder pads and jerseys onto their body, scraping over the sunburn. And the older guys said, we told you, we we told you. Let's talk about the uh, big news now is after the game, players had shirts that said, I don't know if they were given the shirts or whatever, but it said, Extend Kalani. Then a uh, video came out in the locker room uh, from Neil Powell, who's redshirting this year, wide receiver, of Tom Homo revealing under his jacket an Extend Kalani shirt, hugging Kalani and the team going crazy. What's your opinion of uh, what appears to be probably an extension for Kalani Sataki at some point? Well, if it does happen, I think it is fully appropriate. I think Kalani Sataki is the perfect coach for BYU at this time and going forward. And I think that he's got a chance to be there for 20 years and to make a career similar to Lavelle. Now, I wouldn't put on him the pressure of succeeding at a national level the way Lavelle did. He may, uh, it, it may not be quite that. The, the college football world is different today. But from a standpoint of the, the right combination of qualities, to be a BYU head coach that will succeed in football, that will lead men, and that will represent the university and the church the way they want it to be. I can't think of anybody better than Kalani Sataki. Trevor Maddich with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's discuss BYU's fourth consecutive win now, a 42-10 triumph over Idaho State. In your opinion, Trevor, did BYU in any way, shape, or fashion sleep on Idaho State? Well, you don't want to sleep on Idaho State. We've established that for the last several years. I think, I think, I think BYU lost a little bit of, of focus because it was Idaho State. And they saw on tape that this is an FCS team that came in 3-7, and seven, and they'd been getting just blistered by, by teams in their, own, in their own division or their own subdivision, the FCS. And so I think maybe they lost some of the focus that keeps you fully disciplined. There were too many pre-snap penalties and other penalties that were avoidable. There were, there were too many mistakes and busted assignments and things like that. And I mean among the, the starters. I mean in the first half. And I think that those things will need to be cleaned up. Now, is that something that I'm alarmed about? No. I think that happens sometimes. It's been a long, stressful season. And I think the guys you know, may have, uh, may have come into the game um, not, not as ready as they would have had this been San Diego State. So it's okay. And I don't mind it in the second half at all when the backups began to come in because those are guys that haven't really played as much as maybe they would have hoped uh, over the course of this season because there have been so many close games. And it is critical to get them there. And I would consider those mistakes to be teaching moments of guys that are gaining experience that they'll need for next year. Overall, I'm happy with the game. Zach Wilson was able to come back and get his feet wet again. I think that the mistakes that were made, they were able to overcome. I think it was a great send-off for senior day 
and while you can you can nitpick it from a standpoint of what they need to do better going forward, I think the things that they did well and what this game represented was a, a fitting send-off for these seniors, and I'm glad that they won this game. Zach Wilson went 19 of 31, two touchdowns, one pick, three sacks allowed. What did you think of his performance for the first time in seven weeks? I thought he did well. I mean, he's not making any kind of an excuse that he was rusty, but he was rusty. And the thing about Zach is that, first and foremost, he's a baller. He, he feels it, and he lets it fly. And you've got to get back into the rhythm of feeling it at game speed. Plus, your body has to get back into the rhythm. I mean, he went, I think he was down to the left side at one point, and kind of his legs, I think, uh, gave out a little bit on him, and he ended up going down in a situation where I thought he would have continued on into the end zone otherwise. And that's Turf just monster. A of, what's that? Turf monster, that's right. That's just a matter of not being you know, fully up to, to game speed once again. So I, I thought it was a good return for Zach. Is there any concern about that rust moving forward, knowing that BYU has UMass and then a tough one at San Diego State? No, because, you know, he got to shake off a lot of the rust in this game. UMass is a team that you don't want to sleep on. We've, we've seen that happen before, but UMass is just terrible this year. So he'll be able to get up to speed. Now, it'll be a quantum leap forward in quality when they go to San Diego State. But I think two games like this will be plenty enough to get the rust shaken off. Because remember, you know, it's it's – I don't want to say it's like riding a bicycle, but there's a real, there's a real familiarity. There's a muscle memory. There's a, an emotional memory to the way that Zach plays, which is, once again, go out there, see it, feel it, sling it. And I think two games is enough to get him ready to go to compete well against San Diego State. Now, you'd think that UMass is better than Idaho State. Then the line will tell you otherwise. Idaho State was a 17-point dog to BYU. Yep. UMass is a 39, or sorry, a 33-and-a-half uh, point dog to Idaho State. 39-point dog for UMass. 39. Yeah, please, please censor that. Please censor that in the locker room. Uh, BYU should come out and handily win this game, but, you know, this is, this is a team that needs to practice, that needs to groove the habit of being fully focused every minute, every drill, every meeting, every rep in the weight room so that it shows up on game day. The coaches are teaching that. The coaches are coaching that. But, you know, you're talking about young men here that, uh, that are in the process of developing into the best college football players they can be. And that, that mental focus during preparation, they need to prepare the same way against UMass as they would if Utah were coming up again. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars now bowl eligible Trevor, what has been the biggest difference, in your opinion, between BYU as the 2-4 and four team that had just lost to Toledo and USF to now the team that beat Boise State, Utah State, Liberty, and Idaho State? I think they're growing. You know, I think they're growing. And I think the, the rotation of quarterback that had hurt them so badly in recent years when guys have gotten hurt, all of a sudden now you've got three guys that you've got to be really happy about. I mean, I'm happy with all three of them. And so I think that's a positive thing. I think that builds confidence to know that they can they can lose some guys to injury and they can still come out and play winning football and i think part of it too is that the season early was brutally physical i mean brutally physical i mean early on you're playing a an sec team that's been built to compete in the sec you've got utah which is one of the most physical teams in the nation i mean the way that the utes are playing right now they're playing at the line of scrimmage 
from the line of scrimmage out like a team that can compete with the best in college football. Not necessarily beat everybody, but a team that won't get pushed around. And that kind of physical depth, BYU had to open the season with. The third game was USC. The fourth was Washington. And by the time they got to Toledo, I mean, that's a that's kind of brutal. Now, I wouldn't want them to say this necessarily, but I'll say it because I'm not I'm not the one that's, you know, in the locker room. You know, I wouldn't want them to think of any excuses and I have no I have no, you know, knowledge that they are. As a matter of fact, it looks like they're not. But the fact is, you finish a four-game stretch like that, then you lose to Toledo and USF on the road in the next two games. You know, you're trying to get your legs back under you, for goodness sake. And I think that's a big part of it. So, you know, but then they came back and they beat Boise State. Remember that part, too. You know, they lost at Toledo after the Washington game. They lost at USF, which was a head-scratcher. But then they came back and they beat Boise. And so I think they got themselves on track and their legs back under them by then. Let's talk about the Pac-12. You uh, talked about Utah a little bit there and BYU's schedule. Where do they fit in the college football playoff discussion? Because right now they feel like an outsider, but perhaps Oregon or Utah sneaks in late. They could. Utah and Oregon right now, the winner of that game, assuming they both went out to the Pac-12 championship game, has a good chance, especially since Alabama now has lost Tua uh, at quarterback. And the thing is, it will be probably the SEC and the Pac-12 only that will have a, a top 10 matchup in their conference championship game. Now, it's possible that the Big Ten could get there and do that as well, but it's most likely that while Alabama is sitting at home with a backup quarterback watching the Pac-12 championship game on TV and getting no extra juice from the committee, the, the winner of the Utah-Oregon game, again, assuming that they went out to that point, will end up having a top-10 victory to finish the season in the, the, the last impression on the committee when they make their final choices for the, for the college football playoff. And so I think Oregon, Utah's playing better. Utah has much more dominant, I think, resume right now in terms of how they're just handling opponents. Oregon has had a couple of close scares here recently, but Utah's loss at USC was rough, and people say that having Zach Moss, their great running back, out for much of that game should accrue to their favor, and that's true, but at the same time, USC had a backup quarterback as well. Yes. So, you know, there's, it's kind of, a, kind of a wash when it comes to that. And the committee is big on how bad your loss is. Oregon's losses at Auburn, or excuse me, it was against Auburn uh, in a, at a neutral site. But really, that was by three inches. The, Auburn had a fourth down that they converted by three inches on what became the game-winning drive when Oregon had the lead. And if they had stopped them three and a half inches shorter than they did, Oregon would be undefeated right now. And that, that loss is a, you know, if a loss is a good one, that's a pretty good one. So I think when it comes down to it, the fact that two is out, the fact that, that Oregon has that good loss against Auburn puts them in the best position to get the Pac-12 into the playoff if they went out and looked good against Utah in a win. Trevor, as always, fantastic stuff. We will remember your recommendation to wear lots of sunscreen in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we, we won't make that mistake. Yeah, please, please don't, because otherwise it will really be hilarious when you try to put your shirt back on. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich of ESPN on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Speaking of quality loss, hilarious sign at Baylor on college game day Saturday. 
said, Germany declared World War II champs because of quality loss. <laughs> it's about wins. But it's in the conversation, right? Oh. Which is fun. And, it, and it's starting to heat up. And uh, let's just, uh, I'll speak for everyone. Go Ducks, right? Go, go, go Ducks. <laughs> the youths are already insufferable. They'll be even more insufferable if they actually make the college football playoff. Uh, oh, my gosh. It's time to go for two. Can you predict the future? These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. Jerem with an 11-7 lead going into the weekend and BYU football's matchup against Idaho State. I'm trying to make a run here. Pick number one, I said BYU by 30-plus points. Line and was 33 and a half. barely got it. Line was 33 and 32. a half. BYU didn't cover? I just realized that. No. <laughs> I told you this would happen. I told you this. I'm like, it's going to be close. And we let them off the hook. BYU by 32. So I still yeah. get that pick right. But, man, I went conservative, and it still is barely right. Pick number two, I said BYU would lead by 20-plus at the half. And BYU by 25 at the half. I was it took really the block concerned. punt to I do know. it. I was like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It took the block punt, which was hilarious. Holy cow. Pick one. Joe Critchlow will complete, complete two-plus passes. Yep. AP Jofo was five for five. He looked fantastic. 58 yards. Are you kidding me right now? And he should have been six for six. Oh, no. No, the, the catch to Keanu Hill was, was uh, a completion, right? It yeah. didn't count because of a penalty. Oh, it was a penalty. The play didn't he exist. Should, he should have been six for six. And um, pick two. BYU will rush for four or more touchdowns. <laughs> BYU rush for three. So, uh, Finau, Simon, and Tonga. Well, if they don't kneel it out at the end, then you get that pick as well. Sportsmanship sucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that was a great move by BYU to do. That was great. Updated scoreboard now. Jerem with 12 points. I have nine. BYU now with three games left to determine the going for two champion. UMass. Trying to hold on here. San Diego State and the bowl game in Hawaii. Trying to hold on. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week. Here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Now, everyone is going to have their own definition of what success is for BYU football. The obvious, and obviously the most important sign of success, is victories. However, we all know that there are more ways to determine a successful season. So, Spencer, in your opinion, what's the biggest sign of success for BYU football this year? Let's start here, Jason. Uh, How about BYU beating rivals? The Cougars were 1-8 and eight against supposed rivals coming into this season. Utah, Utah State, and Boise State under Kalani Satake. Correct. BYU has a winning record against the rivals this year. Back-to-back wins against then number 14 Boise State and then destroying the Aggies in Logan 42-14. to That right there tells me that BYU has succeeded. They are making progress. There has been success. Then there's this. The college football playoff poll ranks USC in the top 25 this week and Boise State, which means BYU currently has two wins against currently ranked teams in the poll that matters most. It's not about the AP. It's not about the coaches. It's about the college football playoff, right? Yep. BYU has two ranked wins. The Cougars secured their first home winning record since 2016 at 4-2 by beating Idaho State. They had to beat Boise State and USC along the way to do that. And the Cougars have their first 
at least four-game win streak since 2016. They're about to make it five, could make it six, maybe seven. All of those things scream success to me right now for BYU football. Yeah, the one that really stands out to me, and it was my immediate answer, is BYU's ability to win two of three against the rivals this year. I I think that is a clear sign of success. Beating Utah is obviously the biggest goal when you talk about rivals, and obviously that, that didn't happen. Uh, this year, but being able to beat Utah State and Boise State, one team that had already won two straight, and another one that the staff had not beaten, is a big deal. That is a that is a tangible sign of success that you can look at a track record that wasn't good and see that there was improvement there. And and it's not just that; it was it was the way that they beat them. They absolutely destroyed Utah State in Logan. And being able to beat Boise State that came in at the time, ranked 14th. Yeah. I mean, they're still ranked 20th, Jason. Yeah, they're still ranked 20th. They haven't lost a game. Baylor Romney, everybody's like, so what what are we going to see here? Baylor Romney looked fantastic. The way that they beat those teams, I think, is impressive. And here's the other reason. And, And there may be people that are outside of the state of Utah that will disagree with me on this. I think the it also that's that stat specifically, the the wins against rivals. I think it carries more weight for the local fans because we're the ones that have to deal with all the others around us. <laughs> and so the fact that, now again, still haven't beaten Utah. That's the big one. That's the one that matters the most. But that's the next step. That's the next step. But that is a clear sign of success for this program. Beating Utah and BYU finishing yes. as a ranked team. The Cougars have not done that as an independent. They have never finished ranked in Almost a decade of independence. So, yeah, BYU has done some things to show success and progress, but there are still things. Yes, out without, there. and that's great. There's still things on the table that you can check off in terms of successful seasons. Football out, basketball in. Jerem, BYU basketball, considered by our friend. Joe Lenardi at ESPN Lenardi and his latest bracket because of the Cougars' big win against Houston. TJ Haas, thank you very much. What is the path for BYU to get an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament? They're being considered by Mr. Lenardi. Consider the lilies, how they grow, how they grow. Uh, I think BYU would need at least three more quad one wins. Let's assume that Houston stays a quad one win. They need to stay top 75 in the net ranking. I think BYU would need three more. I see six other opportunities probably on the schedule. Let's walk through it. Kansas in Maui if BYU beats UCLA. Utah State is a game BYU can win on BYU TV December 14th. Neutral site. At St. Mary's, January 9th. At Gonzaga, January 18th. And then neutral St. Mary's if it's two versus three seed on uh, semifinal Monday. Neutral versus Gonzaga if BYU won that in the title game. There are six more opportunities. Can BYU win three of those? I think BYU could beat Utah State. I think BYU could win at St. Mary's. And then BYU would probably have to beat Gonzaga once or St. Mary's again in the tourney. Is Gonzaga in Provo going to be a quad one opportunity? Oh, yes. Yes. Good point. So there are seven left. Can BYU win three more? I think that BYU needs four quad one wins to hang. Because what happens is you get like, let's say Syracuse is just okay. They're 18 and 15 going into Selection Sunday. But they've played like 12 quad ones, and they probably won at least five. Yeah, You know what I mean? So those are the kind of resumes that BYU has to go up against should they not win the tourney. I feel like BYU's best shot at going to the NCAA tournament is winning the WCC title. Like, that's the clearest actual path. Because without Gavin Baxter... Uh, without Yoli Childs for the nine games, I just think it's going to be hard. 
What the Cougars cannot do is have a quad four loss. And they've had a few of these over the last few years. BYU was great last year, by the way, and at avoiding the bad losses. But they, they couldn't just, get a big win. They didn't have good wins. And then they finished the season with a bad loss all of a sudden, right, with San Diego. So can BYU avoid that just absolutely devastating quad four loss and pick up a few more quad one wins? That's, that is the path. I like that you brought up Syracuse. Four and eight against quad one teams. They, were, they, had, they won a third of the games against quad one competition, and that got them into the NCAA tournament. It's good to be the Qs, right? So if BYU is four and three against quad one competition. Oh, four and... Or maybe even three and four, Jared? Three and four, you at least. They're bubbly. The, yes. They're bubbly. Because you're getting a couple of good wins. Now remember, Utah State won the Mountain West last year. Popular pick to kind of make a run last year. You beat that team. BYU that didn't make the NIT beat that team. BYU can beat that team this year. And, oh, by the way, I guess who's going to be back? Your boy, Yoli yeah. Childs. Can be BYU with Yoli Childs beat St. Mary's on the road? Can they beat Gonzaga at home? Can they beat Utah State? Will there be another team that, like, all of a sudden sneaks in as yes. a quad one opponent? Undoubtedly. Maybe UCLA starts to play well, and they get some big ones in the Pac-12, and they're... That's neutral, so it's got to be top 50. They're, they're a top 50 net team. Yeah, you, know, you want you want the road games you play to be top 75, right? Neutral top 50, home top 25. BYU will play one quad one game at home. It is Gonzaga. Now, I believe BYU will need 25 wins, by the way, to be in the convo. Uh, 25 and 9 record going in if BYU makes the title game on Tuesday. Okay. All right. So BYU needs to be in the title game on Wednesday. Go 23 and 8 through their 31 games going into the West Coast Conference Tournament. Got to, got to win two Which there. Which is asking to, a lot, right? Go to 25-8. and eight. If you lose to Gonzaga, 25-9. and nine. Team rankings gives BYU a 57% chance to make the tournament right now. I, because I of think BYU's really against high. Houston. I think that's so high. 48% as an at-large. Wow. Um, yeah, I think 24. Oh, oh, and by the way, they have 100% lock at 24 wins right now. Woo! Really? <laughs> really? Yeah, I... BYU figured something out against Houston that they can be tough, play good defense, grind with some offensive possessions where nothing's looking good, but at the end of a possession they got a bucket. That was a good win for not only the resume, but the confidence of this team without Yuli Childs. I expect BYU to have at least three quad one victories this season. I expect them to be bubbly. That'd be nice. Yes, 24 wins, 100% on team rankings. How about that? All right, success. It's, a, it's an interesting word. How do you define it? We're talking about it in the context of BYU women's soccer. They are now on their way to the Sweet 16. Yeah, baby. Jerem, what is the minimum threshold of success, in your opinion, for BYU soccer? Before the tourney, I thought it was the Elite Eight. That if BYU could get to a matchup with Stanford on the farm against the Cardinal, who are the number one scoring offense in the country, BYU's number two, that that would be the spot. And that if BYU went beyond that, that they could win the national title. Uh, BYU's one game away from that. If BYU defends home field and continues to do what they've done all year, which is not lose, which is not lose, right? BYU has yet to lose yes. a match. Yes. Are you kidding me? 20-0-1. BYU is literally unbeatable right now. And hopefully they continue that. I think it's getting to the Elite Eight because let's be honest, a matchup at Stanford, BYU would be a dog in that game. But guess what? The top two scoring offenses in the country, one seed, two seed, in the regional final, one game to get to a spot where BYU soccer has never been, Jennifer Rockwood has never been, 
That is big time. So BYU's one game away from that. And we saw three goals in five minutes. Like, this team is capable of putting up goals in a hurry. And it's going to be really exciting to watch that match tomorrow night in the Sweet 16. Yeah, uh, we're, we're really excited. You'll be on the, uh, the TV call. I'll be on yeah, the radio it's call. It's a ratings off. It's a ra- it is another ratings you get off. A, you get a zero. <laughs> okay. I'm really excited. And the way I look at this, regardless of what happens moving forward, this has already been a successful season. And you mentioned a couple of different things. Undefeated season for the first time in program history. Dominating teams offensively and defensively. And just because you consider a season a success already, that doesn't mean that you're satisfied. This team, and I mean this wholeheartedly, this team can legitimately win a national championship this year. They are that good. And even if it doesn't happen, there is no question in my mind already this season has been successful. Yeah, I, I need one more win to cross that for me. Like if BYU bowed out tomorrow night, I'd say, oh, that's disappointing. I, they should have been at least the Elite Eight. You can't lose at home. You haven't lost all year. I think this team will do that and get into the Elite Eight. Oh, I th- absolutely yeah. think they're going to advance like, to the Elite it Eight. It was like when Jimmer Fredette, um, his senior year, going into that year, we all said, like, Okay, Beery's got to make at least a Sweet 16. They made the second round. You bring all this talent back. You've got to get at least through two games. So when BYU did, and they didn't have Brandon Davies, and they lost in overtime, we all felt like, you know what? That was good enough. We, we feel satisfied with that. And that's a feeling you don't often have, especially here. There are standards that are really high, right? Built on the theology of, of uh, what we believe uh, religiously, right? That anything is possible, literally, Kevin Garnett. So in sports, we think BYU can win the national title. They've done it in football. They've done it in men's volleyball. They've done it in women's cross country. Rugby, why not in some of these other sports? And uh, women's volleyball has come close a couple times last few years. This is women's soccer's best chance to get to a Final Four, which would be more than enough for me. I don't need a natty, although that would be amazing. Getting to the Final Four would be unbelievable. I'm so so excited for the opportunity with this team. Yeah, let's go. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches athletes and experts have to say here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation we have two Spencers in Studio B right now thanks to the most recent BYU basketball signee Spencer Johnson we're on the Jerem signings Spencer welcome to Studio (laughs) B great to be here Congratulations on the signing, man. Thank you. Um, you're a local kid from American Fork. You've had an interesting journey, which we'll chronicle in a moment. But what was it like to sign with BYU? It was so cool. Like, the fan base, the coaches, everyone everyone reached out. Like, I just felt the love. It's a great place. Is this something that you originally wanted to do coming out of American Fork High School? Or were your plans different at that time? My plans were different. Um, I'd never been contacted by the BYU coaches before. Um, so I signed, out, I signed to Weber State. I was kind of... That's kind of my place, but like I think things happen for a reason. So you know, I'm excited to be here now. So let's talk about that. Do you, you went on your mission to Milan, Italy mm-hmm. first. How was that, by the way? Milan, loved it. That sounds have, awesome. Have you ever been out there? I've not been. Beautiful. Food is great. That's all. Yeah, the food. We hear food from Jonathan amazing. Tavernari that yes, we, need we do. To go he, to Italy. he loves it. Yeah. So you go to Milan. You come back. You go for a semester at Weber State, mm-hmm. and then last year you at Utah Valley with Mark Pope and the staff. So semester at Weber. Semester at UVU. At UVU, okay. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you on the team redshirting it at this point? Yes. Gotcha. So Mark Pope and the staff already liked you. They, yeah. they brought you down? It worked out. Okay, it worked out. <laughs> now you're at Salt Lake Community College playing mm-hmm. this year, which is your redshirt freshman year. Yep. And then you'll be at BYU with three to play. Mm-hmm. What's that journey been like? You've been at, uh, I guess, you'll, you will have been at four schools. It, this will be my fourth school, yeah. It's like, I don't think anyone, like, 
expects a journey like that, you know, you never play that out in your head. But honestly, like, I couldn't be more grateful for that journey. It's been hard, but um, I've learned a lot. I've met a lot of great people. So I think things happen for a reason, like nothing happens by accident. So I'm just, you know, excited to be here now. What's been difficult about it? I think just having to, you know, pick up and, and meet a new team and start over and just having to do that a couple of times has been it's been a little bit hard. I'm stressing out thinking about the academic credits transferring and yeah. whatnot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be hard. I haven't had to retake any classes. Which okay. Is, that's good. Wow. Which has been good. All right. That's you good. Know? I don't often hear that. Spencer Johnson with us on BYU Sports Nation, BYU basketball signee. You played against TJ Haas in high school. BYU just hit one of those iconic buzzer beaters courtesy of TJ Haas. So where were you when you saw that shot go down and BYU beats Houston? And, and what was that like for you? We, we were in Ephraim, Utah, actually. We were playing a game down there. And we were staying in a, like an Airbnb cabin. So TJ hits the shot. We're all watching it on the screen. I'm freaking out. I just get up and start <laughs> running around. Let's go. Let's go. It was great. Is it weird to have played against him as a major rival in high school? And now Can you play against – yeah, with the Lone Peak. Uh, you're, you're on the same BYU team, yeah. essentially? <laughs> it, it, TJ's a stud. Everybody knows that. Like, I hated guarding him in high school. He was so good. <laughs> yeah. What was the hardest thing about guarding him? You just shoot it from everywhere. Anywhere and everywhere, and it would always go in, I swear. Yeah, he, he has he, he had a he had a buzzer beater his senior year at the tournament at Orem from like mm-hmm. twenty eight or something. Do you remember this? I do. It was that was legendary as well. <laughs> he's tough. He's, 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 he's so good. You're gonna have to guard him a bunch. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. How would you explain your game and how does it fit in at BYU? Shoot, I uh I think I'm really versatile as a player, you know. I don't know if I like model my game after like any one particular player. Um a great rebounding guard, got good size, great shooter. Um, but I think it's going to translate really well. You know, um, Coach Pope always talks about like we want these relentless guys, we want these fearless guys, and uh, I think that's what he's got, and that's what he's going to continue to recruit. Have you met a coach with more energy than Mark Pope? Like it's infectious, right? Mm. How did that, how did that I guess affect you to the point where you wanted to go to UVU and now you come to BYU with Mark Pope? So I've known him for a really long time. Um, I knew him in high school, and then obviously when I was at UVU, and like it's just contagious. He just gets everybody going, and he's always working. He's he he really is re- relentless. So like it's it's just you want to be a part of that. You want to surround yourself with those kind of people because that's how you be successful. What's it like playing a season at another school knowing you're going to play at BYU next year? So you're at Slick this year. You're playing at Snow, I take it. Um, Airbnb, Cabin, that sounds fun. Yeah, on not the, too on bad. The road. Yeah. What's it like uh, and, and how motivating is it for you to know, okay, i got to get ready for BYU as well as play my best for this team right now? It's motivating. Like Honestly, <clears throat> as a player, you always want to be motivated. But when you know you got to come and you know, make a difference and, and contribute, like, that, just, that just gets you fired up. You know, just to, to be the best that you can be. Have you spoken with Skylar Halford as a former Salt Lake Community College great that transferred to BYU? I have not yet. Okay, we need we, to connect we, you yep, to it. Yeah. fellow Bruins, give right? Me, give me his number. Yeah. He can tell you a thing or two about BYU Sports Nation karma, okay? Really? Yes. So if you're not aware, you come on the show, we give you BYU Sports Nation karma, you're already a good player, but you'll play better. It who just you, works that way. Who do you play next? 
Western Wyoming. Okay, well, you're going to be awesome well, against Western Wyoming. Sorry, the Western Wyomings are going down. Uh, it's, it's about to go down. 20-plus, four, at least four threes, yes. a couple block shots. You said you're a good rebounding guard, by the way. Mm-hmm. What are your numbers there, rebounds right now? I think right now I'm averaging five or six. Wow, Five's okay. a good number. Yeah. Okay. Is, is that something, so shot goes up, you crash, or you're boxing out your guy? Every time. Every time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so That's I'm, thinking, a of, thing I'm thinking of Connor Harding right now as I'm... I'm, I'm thinking of Jake Toulson as well. Right, okay. I think Jake's a tremendous rebounding guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, who did you kind of get that from? Who, who did you see do that? Or maybe that was just a coach that said, hey, go rebound. I think it was my – I've honestly just been that way my whole life. Like, I've always been, like, tall, you know? So they they kind of had me playing, like, the big man sometimes, but it's just an easy way to score. Just go get some rebounds, you know, get yourself going a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Spencer, great to talk to you, man. Uh, let's have you sign our BYU Sailor Coog flag here at Studio B. Go for it. Salt Lake Community College, man, on Bruins. the flag, will be at BYU very short. Yeah, awesome. Fantastic. Right now, let's break down BYU basketball with Nick Robinson, BYU basketball assistant coach in Studio B. What a game against Houston. How would you explain the final five seconds of BYU's win over Houston? Uh, complete calm and then pandemonium. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was great. What, what went into that final play? Because the previous two possessions, uh, I don't think we BYU got up a shot, right? Turned it over. Houston takes the lead. Now in this moment, okay, there was a carry. BYU gets the ball back. Yep. Then what? Yeah, Coach Pope, right, goes into the huddle, right, completely calm, uh, draws up the play, right, and as we could see, could see, we give it to TJ. TJ dribbles, right, a couple times and uh, finishes his shot. We talk about it all the time. It hits the rim in a weird way but goes right through the net, and uh, we were really, really excited. Describe your emotions through those final five seconds right there and as that ball goes up and then hits the rim. I think for all of us, we were just kind of on uh, edge, right? Just what's going to happen? Uh, except for Coach Shork, right? Who, as soon as that ball left TJ's hand, he was <laughs> jumping. jumping up and down. He was really, really excited about uh, that thing going in. But, uh, you know, I think for all of us, we, uh, you know, felt like we had that game uh, pretty much in control throughout, right? A really gutsy performance by our guys uh, defensively, right? Rebounding wise. And Houston, they made a, a really nice comeback. Um, but that uh, carry, uh, or the traveling call, right, I think gave us just a little bit of light and a little bit of hope, and uh, TJ took advantage of it. Okay, the shot bounces once and down through the net. What's going on in your life for the next two minutes? So I get a huge hug from Cody uh, Fieger. Everybody else is hugging. Everybody's sprinting to uh, uh, TJ. And, um, you know, then at uh, some point we realize, wait, we need to go shake hands uh, (laughs) with Houston. And so we do that. And then uh, we get uh, up to the locker room as fast as we can and and, uh, enjoy the celebration there. Uh, Mark Pope with the veteran move of bringing the water jug into the locker room. That was next level. Oh, it was fantastic. And thankfully, <laughs> uh, I think the first jug that he opened up was uh, the Gatorade. So uh, he switched to the water. Was, <laughs> oh, that would have been a mess. <laughs> that would have been a mess. Another thing that was awesome was, and we had uh, Dave Rose in here Thursday talking about it, but Dave Rose was courtside with Cheryl. And he's at his alma mater in their new gym that opened up last year. And he's watching BYU beat his alma mater. 
That was that was a pretty cool experience. People came over to him right after too. Yeah, what well, I mean, what a neat experience for Coach Rose uh, to be able to you know be in the gym at that particular time, as well as with TJ making that shot, right? A guy that he's grown and developed over the years. Uh, you know, I can only imagine what it must have felt like to uh, uh, to be in his seat. Uh, but he gave a nice fist pump. Um, you know, while, the that, while that ball was still in the air. BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson with us on BYU Sports Nation. What does a win like that at Houston, and they just don't lose at home. I mean, one time I think in the last 37 games going into Friday night. What does a win like that mean for this team and BYU into the future? Well, Coach Pope has said it, you know, kind of from day one, right? That's, you know, our ability to be able to fight through adversity, to overcome challenges, right? To do things that may seem impossible, um, you know, is something that our guys have bought into. And to be able to, uh, you know, fight through a, a game like that, uh, to build an early lead, uh, to overcome a little bit of adversity there in the second half, uh, and to be able to walk away with a win. Now, there's still areas that we've got to improve in, uh, but I think overall, right, our team, uh, you know, is able to believe just a little bit more, right, that uh, we, we can make things happen when the chips are down. Describe that belief to us, because right now this team is still getting over the loss of Gavin Baxter and obviously adapting without Yoli Childs for nine games. And so this win means a lot in that regard, but d- just describe that belief and that confidence right now with this group and what this win meant for that. Yeah, I mean, for our guys, right, they're an experienced group, right, and uh, they obviously have a great reputation offensively, but I think that belief has, you know, started to sink in defensively, right, and rebounding, right, more and more, and so, you know, to be able to put those three aspects of the game together, uh, you know, on the road at Houston, uh, where they've got, a you know, an amazing winning streak, uh, an incredible coach, right, incredible fan base, uh, you know, just builds a little bit more confidence for us. I can't say how impressive it was to Grind out a win against Southern Utah. I mean, the Thunderbirds gave you everything they had. It was an ugly win, but to travel, you have one day and then you got to go and beat Houston. Uh, I had myself, I was just asking myself on Friday night, how did, how did BYU do that in this week? How did you do that? Yeah, well, I mean, it really felt kind of like a conference situation, right, where you have a game and then one day to prepare and then another game. And, uh, you know, Wednesday uh, was a good day for us, right? I mean, in terms of the preparation, uh, obviously that, uh, you know, the staff in terms of scouts, right, Coach Burgess, Coach Feger, um, you know, and then the game plan that's put into place for each of those games, uh, you know, by Coach Pope, and then our guys' ability to come out and execute, right, the game plan, uh, I think really helped us to be able to you know pull off uh, both of those victories buzzer beaters are fun right nick buzzer beaters are awesome <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i'm just glad that tj was able to stay on his feet yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you uh, don't have gatorade all over us. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good that's thing good. great to have you in studio man great to be here yeah, thanks nick we'll be right back with more of the best of byu sports nation The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Back to BYU football and specifically BYU senior safety Austin Lee, who began his college football career at the University of Utah, of all places, and obviously will end it at BYU. It's been an interesting winding road to Provo, to say the least. Football, fatherhood, and finding joy in the journey. Austin Lee is the center of today's Deep Blue, presented by Tim Daly Nissan. The whole recruiting process was different in high school. Growing up, you're really interested in the state schools that are around here. 
Utah was obviously one of the first schools that came into the picture. So when they offered, I, I committed right away. Just always thought that he would be a great player there, you know. And, and um, I think when I left, he went on a mission, came back, and it wasn't working out for him there. It was different from what I, I felt in the recruiting process. That was difficult for him. And then on top of that, we were first married, and then we were expecting our first kid. So everything was challenging. For a while, I was actually thinking about transferring, and finally I just was talking to my coach, and I was like, you know what, I just, I just don't feel comfortable here. It's not a good fit for me. And they wouldn't release me. You, know, you have to get a release to be able to contact other schools. And so not having that release, I actually had to go to Salt Lake Community College to earn an associate's degree. And once I was able to go there, earn my degree, uh, that release didn't matter as much. And so it was a hardship because here I was used to being on scholarship at Utah. I wasn't used to no income, so I had to go get a job. I was still trying to train with a very supportive wife. I think anyone who's in love with someone loves to see them happy and be successful in what they want and desire. It was, it was a very hard time financially, but I've never been so close to my family. It's a different type of feeling being here at BYU after experiencing all that. I think anytime we can take a JC transfer from Slick, it's a, that's a big pickup for us, you know, given they don't have a football program or anything. Quick fire and it is intercepted. Austin Lee, far side. I say this a lot. Anytime as a, as a football player, you have to experience those types of things. You know, his first opportunity didn't work out the way he, he thought and then had to overcome a couple obstacles just to get here. Uh, anytime uh, you have to go through those obstacles or those hurdles, I think it makes you a dangerous player uh, because of the sacrifices and the extra time you've had to put in to get where you're at. Those types of players tend to appreciate the opportunity more had they not had to experience. Just really thankful that we got him here. So it's, it's interesting how things work. Not many college athletes or anyone on this team actually has two kids. It's different but it's and unique, but it's a blessing in our lives. Balancing life with Austin and football can be challenging. Let's go! But it's so fun that we get to be a part of it, and we're grateful that they are so open to families here at BYU because we feel like part of the team too. His kids have you know, 122 uncles on the team. Ledger's uh, three and a half years old and Romy's about one and a half and uh, Ledger's something else. Uh, he's, he's, he's our boy and he's, he's crazy. He loves BYU football. He loves to come and he, loves to see, he knows the whole BYU fight song. He will tell Austin sometimes that his favorite player is like Zane or Troy or Micah and I think it does kind of eat at Austin but he knows that he loves his dad the most. <laughs> Again, it's, it's hard not to notice the relationship that he has with his family, especially his kids as well. I mean, when we're in the locker room celebrating after wins, you know, he's, he's got his son in there dancing with the team, you know. And his, really, I think the, all the players enjoy uh, Ledger a lot more than they enjoy Austin, you know. He's kind of like, he's the real MVP. He's got a, um, a lot he's playing for, for more than himself. And I think that's one of the reason, uh, reasons why... Our guys resonate with him so much because they see how much he cares about this game and, and you know, things other than himself. And so just been really, really happy to be here while he's here, to watch him play and the plays he's made and the passion he has for the game. 
So the way I balance, you know, school, uh, football, and life is I had to really learn to be present in what I do. Be at football when you're at football and be at home when you're at home. I try to get my stuff done and be present so that I can be present at home and be as supportive as a father and as a husband as I can. It's fun just to see all his teammates and his position group really embrace, you know, his son and his, his daughter and his, and his family. Because that's what we are, right? That's what we're always trying to preach is that we're family and him and that the, the, his teammates together have, have really uh, taken that to a whole new level just with how involved uh, his family is with our program. Another great story, Deep Blue on Austin Lee, and it's not often that you pick up a transfer from a school that doesn't play football. I'm glad that Preston Hadley pointed that out. Great, great story. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. As we get ready for BYU and UNS, <laughs> it's always important to know the foe. Know the presented foe. by Bodyguards Protection for a Life Worth le- Living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Let's know the foe right now. BYU Sports Nation asks, do you know the foe? And let's bring in Ben Bagley, the producer of our show. And... As he's called by many of you on the streets, the mean streets of Provo, the voice of BYU. Ben, what's up, man? Let's whip it. Oh, <laughs> wait. We're not doing that? Oh, okay. Wait. It's in the script. <laughs> All right, let's go there. Someone I'm needs Ron to review said script. All right, here we go. Let's start here. The last three <laughs> se- or last season, three teams had actual worse defenses than UMass scoring-wise. Yes. Which one of these were not one of them? Bowling Green, Louisville, Oregon State or UConn? Oh, who's going? Both? Uh, let's go Jason first. Who was not? Uh, I would say in the Cougar whip around, the answer would be um, Oregon State. No, Louisville? Oregon State was actually 129 last season. Mm. Uh, Bowling Green was 125. Ah. Bowling Green. So Bowling Green would be the right answer there. What are they again? All right, Jeremy, this one's for you. Which of the following was the original nickname for the UMass football team? The Power Bears. Was it the Hawks? Was it the Sullies? Was it the Bulldogs? Or was it the Aggies? Uh, Well, the Aggies clearly isn't it. It's just him giving an opportunity to mention his school's name. uh, uh, I'll go with whatever A was. I can't remember. Hawks, no. It is the Aggies. Oh! They were an agricultural school? Because of... Well, in the past, everyone was a farmer. So, (laughs) until the Industrial Revolution. (laughs) All right, 0-0. Jason, UMass has made two bowl games in its history. Mm -hmm. Which of the following was the bowl game they won? Okay. The Tangerine Bowl, Mm -hmm. the Maple Bowl, the Freedom Bowl, or the Boardwalk Bowl? I am going to go with the Freedom Bowl. D? Boardwalk? It is the Boardwalk yeah, Bowl. I yes. thought about that because it would be regional, and yeah, I thought that's, I almost went there. But that Jersey Shore. Not to be confused with the Park Place Bowl. Uh, Jerem, yes. we're back to you. Yes. In 19, Do not pass go. In 1986, UMass won the national championship in which sport? Was it curling, 
Was it ultimate frisbee? Was it roll rowing or was it men's basketball? Rowing. Nah, man, they were disc throwers. Ultimate frisbee. National frisbee, champs. really? Yeah. Not throwing the javelin. Not B- throwing the jab. BYU throwing the jab. Just, uh, what are you doing this afternoon? <laughs> Just throwing the jab. Just throwing the jab nice. around. All right. We're not doing well on this. No. 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 Par for the course. And we should probably Jason, wrap up soon. This is your last chance to score Okay, here. this is where I'm going to win it. This is where I'm winning it. The W.E.B. Du Bois Library mm-hmm. on the campus of UMass has the distinction of being what? Is it the world's most modern library? The only place you can see the complete literary collection of Samuel Adams. The world's second tallest library or the most expensive library on a university campus? I am going to go with the most expensive. No, no. It's the world's second tallest library. What's the tallest is the question. Okay. I didn't look it up. Thanks, Ben. You can win with this. Which of the following actors attended UMass? Was it Mark Wahlberg? Was it Richard Greer? Ben Affleck or Mark Ruffalo? I'll go Ruffs. No. It was Richard Gere. Ah, good one. It's a shutout. We pitched a shutout today. That's a win for the control room. All right, let's whip it. Okay, thanks. Each week we we do a couple of picks for the football games. Come down to the wire, last three games. It's time for going for two. Can you predict the future? Yep. These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, just ignore Jason for this uh, time here. I choose not to pick. And he chooses not to give. Uh, Jerem, that's me. I have 11 points. Uh, Spencer, that's him. The other guy, uh, he has seven. <laughs> the other guy. So uh, I'm up four with three games to go. I, I don't feel like this is a safe lead quite yet. I am on high alert. Okay. I am taking it one pick at a time. Okay. And I am ready you to. You want me to give Spencer's picks? No, we're going to ignore you. No, you're right. Yeah, should yeah. I give Spencer's go picks? Go ahead. Let's have you participate. All right. Pick number one. And again, this is Spencer's because like, why? I choose not to pick. First pick, BYU will cover, winning by 40 plus. It's 40 and a half, so that wouldn't be covering, but I, it was 39 and a half. It's, okay. It's currently 40 and a half, but he's saying 40. Okay. That works. Right. I think when he made the pick this morning, it was maybe something. So else. Should, we, should we change that for Should him? we change his pick? No, 40 plus. Okay, that's fine. All right. Yeah, yeah. And his second pick, BYU will have zero turnovers. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go head to head on that one in a moment. Okay. Pick one for me. BYU won't score 52 plus. I think BYU is under. Um, I don't think it happens. Uh, pick two. The Cougars will turn it over. I'm going to go head-to-head on that one. So one of us is going to get a pick correct on that. So, uh, again, I'm up 11-7. We'll see how that goes. Our question of the day. Spell out what success looks like for BYU at UMass tomorrow. And even better, if you have a drawing of what that looks like, perhaps a painting or some pottery, you can send in a picture as well using the hashtag BYUSN. From James Lawler on Twitter. I'd like to very humbly request a, a shutout. I thought he was going to say shout-out. Shout-out. It's out. like, you already just got one. You got one, yes. And a margin of victory greater than 60 points, please. That's, that's getting a little greedy there, buddy. But it you has been done. an Xbox and a PS4 for Christmas. Come on. You're going to get the Wii and You're... like it. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> the Switch. Just take that. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. 
Kalani Satake gets his extension through the 2023 season. Things will not get easier as far as the schedule goes. But Kalani Satake's goals remain the same. Get BYU ranked, relevant, and flirting with the New Year's Six Bowl. Whew, that's a large task. <laughs> that's a good one. It's a large task You're funny, at hand. Man. You are hilarious. Especially considering what's <laughs> coming down the pipeline in 2020. Jerem Jordan had an opportunity to go one-on-one with Coach Itake a little over an hour after the news became official. Here is BYU Sports Nation All Access with the head football coach. All right, first off, congratulations, Kalani, on the uh, contract extension. I know that means a lot to you. What did it mean to you? Yeah, just, it, my family and I, we love Provo, we love BYU, and, and uh, it means I get to be here longer, you know, so uh, just make my family happy and, and, and uh, makes me extremely happy to be here. I love BYU and uh, love the role that I'm in and looking forward to doing it for more years. Describe the feeling you had when Tom Homo revealed the extent Kalani shirt in the locker room after the game. That was pretty cool, and and Tom's, uh, you know, he's he he knows all about theatrics and, and the way he does it, you know, his costumes and Halloween, and I thought that was really cool, and and um, wasn't expecting that in that moment, but uh, just really thankful that uh, you know my relationship with him and the things that he does as an athletic director is amazing. I mean, the way he runs the group and the things that he does, I don't I don't think a lot of people know enough about him and and the work that he and his staff do in, in making athletics at BYU possible, and so. Um, you know, just really, truly honored and, and, and thankful that, that he's given me this this opportunity to keep coaching. The team had those shirts in the post game invite to the Hawaii Bowl. What did you think when you saw those shirts? Well, I wasn't really happy about it because I didn't want it to be about me and about um, you know when it's a senior senior day. And um, but you know the players they kind of do their thing, and we we promote for them to just think of others always. I just didn't don't really need them to think for me but I but I really appreciate it and so I can't say that I I'm really flattered and just love that I love these guys you know so uh, uh it means a lot to me but but I'm just as proud of them when they do a lot of charity work and service and help others and we don't ask them to do that we don't ask them to do a lot of things that they just do on their own and and then and um they're really good ideas and I don't know if this one was but but I, I want them to know how thankful I am Senior day victory against Idaho State. Um, what were your emotions like knowing that you had 19 seniors who played their final home game? Yeah, I was really happy. And, you know, not all of them got to play because some, you know, a good number of them are hurt. But uh, just just fun to watch them walk the field as winners, you know, and, and to have that, that um, just that memory of, of this year. And, and then, you know, get an invite to Hawaii, so you can't complain about it. But uh, just... Uh, yeah, just happy for those guys. I, th- I thought it was a good moment for those players to reflect on their time at BYU, and as they, as they, you know, they talk and they walk about it. This is, you can see it on their faces where this is the last time, and they kind of think about what BYU has done for them and what they've done for BYU, and how it's such a cool relationship. We're talking with the newly extended uh, head football coach BYU, Kalani Sitake. Uh At two and four, uh, a different feeling, right? Here we fast forward four game win streak. How would you uh, summarize the change that has happened with BYU football the last four games? Well, the work's been the same. So the, the common denominators are guys work hard and they believe in each other. Um, it's just uh, things started to work better, you know, meaning that uh, and it's not just one thing. There's a, a series of things, with, and, and most of it were the players that, that took the initiative and, and, and made it a, a point to, to perform better. And so, um, 
yeah, I'm just really lucky I have good guys and good players and, and good coaches that work extremely hard. And, and uh, you know, when you work hard, good things happen, and our guys believe in each other. And so uh, that that's never changed, and I'm, I'm thankful that they can do that. And uh, they can be the same guys after a win and the same guys after a loss, but the key is that they're going to work hard every time. Fourth trip to the Eastern time zone at UMass. Uh, what do you expect in this matchup with a team that's had its struggles this season? Well, another opportunity to go back and see our fans, and that's the one thing I'm excited about, seeing our fans in that area, in that region, and then, um, you know, and, and for us to perform at our best. I, I think we respect UMass and, and what they can do on the field and, and, and the talent that they have on that team. And uh, But, you know, this is about what we can do as a, as a program and what we can do as a team and improving from last week to this week, and, and uh, we look forward to doing that. And so it's an opportunity for us to, to earn another win. We have a, a streak going right now and some momentum, so... A good opportunity for us to keep building on that momentum. I know you're a big basketball fan of BYU. What do you think of TJ Howe's buzzer beater? Yeah, that scared because it, it it hit the. I wish it would just swish it next time so I don't have to get nervous like that. But it was uh it was like a um, like a Kawhi Leonard type of play. You know, it was, it was really cool. And uh, there's some really cool still shots of it. And uh, those are the moments that you'll always remember. And so even for the fans, that was such a cool moment and uh, to see that game and just really happy for Coach Pope and then the boys. And uh, I think I'm. This is all without Yoli, so once we free Yoli, watch out. <laughs> After six more games, yeah. Well, congratulations on the extension, and uh, enjoy the trip to UMass, Glenn. Appreciate it. Go Cougs. All right, Coach. Um, five, I think Jeremy, five more games. I think Jeremy and I want, want steaks for lunch, so yeah. um, we'll be contacting you shortly about Texas that. Texas Roadhouse, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Or, or we could just go to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Yeah, might, yeah. Let's up the ante. Yeah. Well, this ain't uh, Power 5 school, but yeah. The Power 5 like. In all seriousness, I'm thrilled for him. I know he's yeah, happy. That's great. I know he's relieved. And this, I think recruiting now becomes something that is not as worrisome for him because now he can go into the home of these potential BYU football players and say, hey, I'm your guy, yeah. and I'm going to be here for a long time. Yeah, I'm going to hear for the be here for the next several years. He yeah. was contracted through next year, so this is three additional for a total of four. Um, and that... That helps because in about a month, there's the early signing uh, day for football where BYU could sign some in the early signing period. And then February, of course, kind of the whole rest of the hall. Uh, but this matters. Uh, people like Kalani Stuck. He's a very likable figure. He's down to earth. He's, he feels like he's one of the guys, right? He says, I'm the biggest fan of BYU football, right? Which is an interesting angle to take with this. And it's very different than the previous head coach, Bronco Menhall, who was very stoic, more military-like, more kind of... I'm not saying Kalani Stock is not disciplined, but discipline was one of like the characteristics there. Kalani's a player's coach. People love him. And some changes have been made behind the scenes yes. to be more uh, efficient and disciplined behind the scenes to make it better on the field. So as we saw Bronco Mendenhall become more accommodating of the media and kind of let down his guard a little bit, it took a while. Kalani Sitake can move in the other direction, become more disciplined, more... more uh, He's been more guarded for- with the media than I thought. It's been the opposite. I don't care about how guarded you are with the media. I care about whether you win or not. That's what I care about at the end of the day. It'd be nice if the guy is not guarded and a good coach. That's great. Okay. What if BYU finishes 9-4? and 29-23 and 23 through four years all of a sudden starts to sound a little bit better, right? 56%, hey, I think, right? Hey. Which it's got, we want it in the 60s or 70s, right? It's on the right path. Yeah. All right. It's time for... Hot or not, takes. takes. Presented by Delta Airlines, keep climbing. Oh, Ben Bagley with the jam. Let's do this, man. 
Throughout, I'm going to give you a couple of takes, and you guys can decide whether it's a hot take or not a hot take. First one, BYU will win nine games this season. Not hot. Totally possible. I think BYU can beat, obviously, UMass. I think San Diego State's a very winnable game. And then TBD opponent the bowl game, we don't know, but I think that matchup is such that it'll be a winnable game for BYU. Lukewarm take. If BYU plays Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl, then it might just be a cold take, and BYU will win nine games. <laughs> it's totally possible. Next. Zach Wilson has a short leash at UMass. Hot take. No. No, the leash is not sh- short. It's crazy long. Come on. Come on. They're so bad. This is so not hot. Yes, I know that Zach Wilson sort of struggled last week. 12 incompletions, a pick, three sacks. It's going to be okay. Zach Wilson could go 19 for 31 with two touchdowns and a pick and put up the same line he had against Idaho State, and BYU could win 60 to 3. Yeah. That could happen. It's all preparing for San Diego State. Zach Wilson is going to go up against a top 10 scoring defense. That's that's the goal. But Baylor Romney needs to be ready because we didn't think Jaron Hall was going to get hurt. I don't want anyone to get hurt. Knock on wood. Hold on. Yep. But Baylor Romney's got to be ready to go. And I think that BYU should sit Baylor Romney against UMass uh, in preparation for San Diego State. They sat right. him last week. All right, Ben. What do you got for us next? I'm with you, Jaron. Knock on wood. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Next, BYU is in the at-large convo right now. Uh, not a hot take. I, th- I think Lenardi validating that idea, right? In this moment. In this moment. This moment doesn't matter all that much. It's Selection Sunday when it really matters. But it's nice to be included in the tweet with Lenardi. It's a warm take, not a hot take. If BYU beats Boise State and they go to the Lahaina Civic Center at 4-1 and one and then beat UCLA... Now, then they're legitimately in the Lunardi bracket. Now, now they're yeah. five and one with wins against UCLA. There are and a lot Houston. of teams that get yeah, yeah. If they're already uh, being like, considered like after beating Houston, UCLA. I don't know that UCLA is that good, but they're a name. Yeah, okay. I don't. I don't think they'd be in. I think they'd be strongly considered. Warm take. Next. Wait, is UCLA also the fake idea of college basketball right now? Uh, very much not that way. But last year they weren't very good. No, they yeah. weren't. All right, BYU Hoops is currently the second best team in the WCC. This is hot. I think I think BYU is in the top three. I think BYU is probably third. Saint, until they play, Gonzaga and St. Mary's are going to be the top team. Left. But St. Mary's lost to a bad team, Jerry Winthrop. Well, Kentucky lost to Evansville. It doesn't mean Kentucky yes. stinks. And BYU lost to San Diego State. We don't know what San Diego State is really right, right. now. Right. UCLA, by the way, 95 in Ken Palm. And San Diego, can I spell it? State is 72. Ooh, okay. So I hope San Diego State stays that high. They're 3-0. They haven't played a lot of games. This is a hot take because right now St. Mary's is still nationally respected and expected to finish second. And they beat Gonzaga in the Gonzaga Invitational with essentially the same cast they have back this year. Yeah, BYU didn't beat San Diego. So, yeah. All right. Let's go. New season. Let's go. Those are your hot or not takes. takes. On BYU Sports Nation, thank you, Ben Bagley. Thank you for the jams. All right, tomorrow BYU lines up against a team who's playing its final game of the season, has one victory, and it's against the only team in FBS who hasn't won yet. That's Akron. Sorry, LeBron. (laughs) Jason, do you have any concerns going into tomorrow's game at UMass? No. Jaron, back to you. Um, I do not have any concerns either. 
That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.